it's a dialogue, not a monologue. And some people do not understand that. Social media is more like a telephone than a television. That's a quote by Miss Amy Jo Martin. Hello, everyone. I'm Stephen, and I'm with returning guests, Melissa Pierce and Valeria Morales. Today, we'll be talking about the infamous social media and the trends it produces and how those trends show up in our classrooms and our schools. In addition, we'll, we will discuss how we can use social media and make it effective for lessons and reach our students instead of it being a pain in our butts. So, uh, hello, real quick, my guests can go ahead and introduce themselves, what grade they teach, where they teach, and we will start in the top left with Melissa. Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa Pierce. I am a seventh and eighth grade math teacher in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm going into my third year in the classroom. Hi, everyone. My name is Valeria Morales, and I'm actually a new teacher. So this Monday will be my second week teaching health, and I teach um, ninth through 12th grade students. Uh, we won't get any elementary insight, unfortunately. I think we matter more. Sorry. All right. So don't tell Sarah I said that. All right. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to hop right into, well, because you both are a little bit in a younger age bracket than me. So when y'all were in school, you don't have to say what year, but uh, when y'all were in school, how did social media impact y'all's school experience? I feel like when I was in middle school, Instagram was just coming about. So People used Instagram, but it wasn't as widespread as it is now. I feel like the like my older cousins used MySpace, but I was never on it. But I don't really remember having social media presence or like an online presence being a big part of your school presence as well. Um, versus now, I feel like those things kind of go hand in hand and we use social media in the classroom. But yeah, it was kind of there in the background or emerging, but definitely not a takeover like what we experience now. Yeah, I would say for me, it's about the same, same experience throughout grade school. I really didn't see it being a thing with school until I got to college. So like a lot of the clubs started using social media to share like whatever events they had coming up, but it wasn't until college that that was coming around. I don't really remember anything in middle school or high school being used. The uh, Showing my age a little bit, Facebook was in full swing when I was in high school. And so, you know, Tom allowed us to make our little friends list and we could shift who was in the top, who was in the first, second, third, fourth. You can go top four, top eight. I think we went up to top 16. So, you know, it never happened with me, but I did see people react when they got uh, booted off of someone's top eight and that reaction and their little riff in their friendships because they took it to heart. They took it personally. I remember also... I don't know if this comes with social media, but I remember AOL online. <laughs> yeah. So we used that. We were used to, you know, typing there and chatting and everything. And I remember that's the first time I experienced someone editing someone else's words and sending them to me. So it got me riled up because they were saying that so-and-so said this, but it wasn't true. It was actually their words were changed and sent to me. And so it got me all wound up and everything. And I wound up going after someone who... Didn't need to be gotten after, but I was manipulated into questioning this individual. That's the way we'll put it. So yeah, that was my experience with that. I do, I do like how Melissa mentioned a takeover because that's what it feels like. It feels like a very aggressive, hostile takeover to where now 
it is integral in our students' identities, uh, the social media platforms. And so I want to go into the, I, I guess I want to start with the cons first, because I want to end on a positive note. So I want to start with the cons first. And uh, Melissa, at your old school, what did you see uh, with social media and how your students' interactions like came out with it? Yes, I, I like that you said it's part of their identity because I, I feel like them considering social media as part of their identity is where the problems came up in my old school um, or just in general. They value what's written online more than their like personal, physical, in-person interactions at times. And I think a huge issue was like feuding on social media platforms or like dating on social media platforms and then that carrying over into school the next day. So who said this about who we have, uh, they had a group chat with the whole grade. They had a group chat with the whole school. They have all these chats and they don't necessarily know how to safely maneuver themselves on social media. So that was the big issue, just like safely being able to speak to one another in kind ways or like being able to separate. Okay. When someone says it's online, then it may carry over differently because you can't hear someone's tone. You don't know what their body language is versus when you're in person, you can determine those things. And so safety was an issue, like interpersonal relations, dating, um, and then just saying things about each other that just like led to fights in person. So like you said, how you were going after that one person who you didn't need to, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, I heard so-and-so said this to you in a group chat and blah, blah, blah. And it's all like, it's all hearsay, but they always believe it. And so they don't know how to like, their deciphering skills are hindered on social media. And then of course the trends, like the destroying the bathroom and doing all those weird challenges are always well, insane. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I think their inability to separate uh, the social media life from real life is what I see. Uh, they take what's online as, you know, I understand that this is where they grew up. But, you know, I feel like, you know, I even tested it with my students because they uh, they would use their friend's Instagram to send messages. And I told them, like, so you're doing this on your friend's account. So you don't even know who's sending you a message, really, if you're able to get on your friend's phone and send a message from their Instagram to someone else. Then who's to say that the messages that you're getting are from those people? So uh, and just trying to get them to understand that, you know, not everything they see. Online, I do use my personal story as like a evidence of that because I think it's an, it's an important lesson to learn. This school year already, we had a Instagram group chat that was formed that kind of blew up into what I would pretty much describe as almost a little race war between our Mexican kids and our black kids. Uh, the chat was started off as something friendly like just a way for a group of uh, kids to be able to talk to each other and everything. But then other people started getting added to it. And then that's when the back and forth started going. And then it started with sixth graders and seventh and eighth graders got into that group chat also. And yeah, and that all happened like a day and a half. Before, and we were able to, as far as of right now, we got it. I think we got it under control, but we'll see what happens next week because it's the weekend. They still have their phones and stuff. Who knows what's being created over the weekend? So as of Friday, we seem to have calmed everything down. But well, Monday is going to be very interesting. 
And I'm just happy that my sixth graders, even though this is my first year teaching sixth graders, they're comfortable enough to say stuff to me. And that's how it got brought to my attention and everything. So, yeah, that's that's middle school. I mean, you're shaking your head, but I mean. Yeah, no, I'm shaking my head because it's crazy. So, again, like I'm new to teaching. This is going to be my second week into teaching. I've worked with kids in the past. I was a program director for a nonprofit organization for the past nine months. So I have my shared little experience working with them and in social media. But I shake my head because. It's crazy. As teachers, you're not just working your nine to five Monday through Friday. Now it's like, what's going on at home? What's going on on the weekend? What are you doing on your free time? What are you doing in between class periods? All because of what is being done on social media. So it's just crazy that it goes beyond what's happening in your classroom. Um, and now, you know, this is some this is another platform that we as teachers have to be watching. You know, that it's it's just crazy. I know veteran teachers who say they they can like turn it off and leave it at school and everything. I can't do that. I mean, during the summer is a little bit easier, but during the school year, there's there's no way. Like that happened on Friday. It's been on the back of my mind. Like what are they saying over the weekend that's going to get people riled up? I can't help but not think about it because whatever is said, if there's a problem Monday morning, we're going to have to deal with that. So it's not, it's, I can't just brush it off my sh- shoulder. I got to think, okay, so how will I address this if this happens? And I'm always constantly thinking, how am I going to address issues in a way that my kids are receptive of what I'm going to say instead of just being a, an authoritative figure coming down on a rah, rah, rah. I want to be able to reach them in a way that they are receptive of me, which is why I like to, you know, I use their lingo, you know, I talk their talk especially when I'm talking to them. And, you know, it's kind of cringe sometimes because it leaks over when I talk to adults, but uh, it helps me reach the students. So that's that's where we're at. And then last year, we had some we had some TASB pages created on Instagram, actually. It's like TASB fights, where they record their fights and put them on Instagram. They had TASB ugliest people. That was one of them on there. That was hilarious in a bad way, but kind of fun. Cause they put a lot of energy into the very, that the Tasby nicest shoes where they took pictures of people with nice shoes that they like and put it on there. Yeah. they put a lot of effort in those pages last year and I'm sure it's going to happen again this year. And I was fortunate enough to have people who, uh, cause I have a school uh, Instagram account I created for COVID called Mr. History King. The kids will never accept that page that, Instagram to their uh, little fight pages or whatever, but I have little secret agents who let me in on the little pages to see what's going on on them. And so I'll get, I'm grateful that I have students who trust me as long as I don't tell their names and I don't try to, I don't write them out or whatever, but I get the, I find the pages, I see the pages, we just shake our head, try to close them down. But there was a crap load last year. No, social media can also be important in like finding those things out beforehand because I had a teacher who she was my co-teacher but she also like mentored me and taught me a lot and she would always say like oh make sure you listen to their conversations or like not like eavesdrop but like 
hear what they're saying or like ask them things. Or like you said, if you have a teacher Instagram page, like see what's going on. There's always that one kid who will tell you something. There's always that one kid that has the video of the fight. So just see what you can find out because at the end of the day it can help their safety of like, okay, I know so-and-so told me that someone posted this and this person texted her that there's going to be a fight in this location at this time. So it can like help you help you do something about it beforehand. But yeah, it's it's really a detective um, situation. It does, you feel like a little detective trying to find out the clues. And then you got to try to figure, figure out who started the original page and you're trying to, hmm, okay, yeah. who it is. And then uh, you mentioned earlier the trends, the trends, the trends, the trends. Because uh, like your bathroom, I'm sure it happened. Our bathroom got destroyed. Our bathrooms got destroyed. They they took that challenge and like, yeah, we're gonna do it and destroy the bathroom. So uh, I don't know if you knew uh, of the bathroom challenge, Valeria. Uh, so it's a challenge on TikTok of destroying bathrooms, like literally. Yeah, it's a TikTok challenge. Uh, TikTok challenges really took off last year. I think it was towards the end of the year before, but definitely last year. Do this on. All across the country, it felt like, at least through social media, it felt like students across the country embraced these challenges because people like other teachers were posting about, oh, the bathroom got destroyed because of this TikTok challenge where the mission was literally to destroy the bathroom. Was it just like, let's break the toilets or was it we're flushing down all the toilet paper? Like what specific? No, it's, it's clogged the toilets. It's trying to yeah. break down the uh, doors to the stalls. Is the soap dispensers dumping the them out? Soap everywhere. dispensers, like, and then like if you can write anywhere, you can write anywhere. But yes, it was. Uh, yeah, they took it to heart. They they have drive. That's not the drive to do the right <laughs> thing all the time. But they are committed to yeah. the, the the challenges. We um, had in our school, they took the the pipes from like under the sink. We don't know how they got them off. We don't know where they put them. We don't know how they got out of the bathroom with no one seeing them with these pipes, but whatever they could like take or, or destroy. That's dedication. So that's the stuff I need to look out for. Okay. <laughs> As a new teacher, I'm taking notes, you know, things to watch out for in the, in the bathroom. Got it. So I think one thing to help you. All right. So I created a TikTok. Um, I don't make videos because I'm not that person. But I do uh, watch the videos. That's how I saw the trends and stuff. I did realize or I learned that they're like my For You page is different than my students. My students shared to me what's on their For You page. And it's a very dark and twisted world that on their stuff. Like it's all this, all these quotes. I don't want to use the word emo because I feel like emo is overused, but it's a lot of like, tear-jerking emotional stuff that they see every day that puts them in that uh there's a space i'm thinking it's like a um it'll come to me later but it just angst teenage angst angst mm-hmm. it, it like it, they embrace the angst like the angst becomes part of them because that's just that is what they're fed and the quote that i uh use said social media is more like a telephone than a, te- a telephone than a television but right now, I feel like they're using it more as a television. They're just receiving everything from it, but they're not putting anything to it. They're just, and there's no conversations really being had. Um, any conversations are based off what they see trendy-wise. And so I don't know when that started to happen 
but I would eventually like to try to get like I want to use social media as a way, you know, it's a, it's a communication tool. That's what it started off as. And I like for it to get back there. So the lookout for TikTok, create a TikTok, create a little TikTok. You don't have to post videos or anything like that, but hey, start scrolling because a lot of what you'll see on there is what your students, especially your high schoolers, are looking at. And so it's a good way to relate to them, a good way to talk to them about what they see. And yeah, so that's a that's a piece of advice I'll have for you. I think just building on the challenges and like the issues with the challenges is that it it's like sensationalizing bad behavior or like unsafe behavior and like encouraging other people to do it. And so even though there are many like good things that can be spread by social media, I think like an example, kind of dark example is like, I don't remember the name of the challenge, but it was something with holding your breath. And like, there was a kid who, who died from it. And it's like, why are we doing this? Like it's, it's kind of like encouraging them to think of nonsense and then do that and tell other people to do it. And then it's kind of like what you're saying with the television where it's a spectacle, like whatever the challenge is, has to be something that's some type of show or something that's entertaining, quote unquote, to watch um, when it's really just dangerous and they need to stay away from it. And then I remember with the uh, the milk crate challenge, uh, the students asking me if I was going to do the milk crate challenge, if they could, if we could do it at school and record it because they want to be part of that spectacle. And it's like, why would we ever, like, why would I encourage you to do a challenge that could break a limb like that? Like, it makes no sense to me. But I think they, they are interested in that spectacle and being entertained, quickly entertained. Yes. Uh, I know there was, a, there, it didn't happen at our school. I was, I was low-key kind of hoping, but it didn't. So they had this, uh, was, a, was it the slap a teacher challenge? And so I was hoping that someone was going to go after the biggest teacher in the school to try to prove their point and, you know, slap, slap the biggest teacher in the school. Cause then I could have took like, you know, I would have been like, Oh, I'm hurt. No, I got to take some time off. <laughs> Your workers comp. Yeah. Workers comp, emotional <laughs> damage. But uh, surprisingly enough, no one took up that challenge at my school. Uh, it was in October of last year. I remember because all the teachers were talking about it. Like, you heard this challenge. What are we going to do? And I'm like, embrace it. Let it happen. Because if it's you, take the time. Take the time. I've only I've only heard of one challenge so far, given that it's only been a week for me. Um, but like, it wasn't too bad. Uh, they were talking about the one where you call your teacher by your by their first name. Oh, yeah. They there's a flyer on for me about um like me coming back to the high school and coaching there with like my first name and last name. And so one of my students says, Oh, miss, I was gonna do that. Call your teacher by their first name challenge, but you already told us your first name. And I was like, You can still do it, I'll act surprised. So I don't have <laughs> negative experience with you know challenges happening at the school just yet. And I hope it stays that way. Um, it, it's just one of those situations where you just kind of have to acknowledge that there is bad with the good, you know, like social media can definitely be used for good. And there's so many ways that they have been used for good. It's just a matter of having those conversations, like how you guys have been saying, you know, no one is telling you, why would you do something that's going to potentially hurt you? I know my, the Instagram I created when the pandemic happened, when when we all first got home, it was actually good because I got a way, it was a way for me to talk to students uh, who I couldn't get a hold of on 
any other the traditional forms like Google Classroom or whatever. They just felt comfortable in that space, sending a little message. And, you know, I don't need it anymore, really, but I still have it. And I still I have kids now who are like in high school who send me messages on there to one to see how am I doing, see how my kids, my kids are doing and so on and so forth. They, they like to check in. They don't reply to school related stuff. But when it comes to the personal family stuff, they're all there for it. So I'm like, OK, so y'all are interested in that stuff and that and, you know, learning your Texas or world history. It's like, okay. And it's also funny because, well, it's funny to me because they, they're desperate to try to find like personal uh, social media accounts to get into like the small details of your life. And they, you know, they care more about that. And it's like, and then I remember I, I, I'm, all, I'm asked like every year, why don't you share your, what you would call it with us? And I have, you know, I, I told them about having boundaries and everything and how, you know, they wouldn't like it if I just knocked in their door on a weekend and went inside and opened the refrigerator and started eating food, kicking up on the couch because we didn't have any boundaries. So <laughs> appreciate the boundaries. So uh, and that's one of, and that's one of the ways I use social media in a positive way. Having that account. Valeria, have you thought about have you even thought about using social media in a classroom? I know it's only your first year or your first well, week, but, you know, you've been wanting to become a teacher for a while on your way to bigger and better goals. So is that something that you've thought about already? Right now, I'm just trying to get set up with everything that I need to get set up with, and then I'll take on the next uh, challenge. But yeah, I I definitely, I do see myself using it just because it's something that the students are so comfortable using that it only makes sense to use it in a way to help my learning environment. So whichever way that I can make it easier for them to grasp information I'm wanting to try out, just just trying to survive this first couple of, of months. Melissa, did you do anything last year or the year before? Or is there anything you plan on doing this year? I haven't in the past, but the like TikTok where they display something in the middle and there are two options and then people walk up and you either go to the left or the right. I've always wanted to do that with like solving equations. Like you put the equation up and then like the correct answer and then the misconception answer and then they have to go do that. So I've always wanted to do that and I definitely want to do it this year, but I haven't in the past. You got a song choice you'll use for that? You know, got to make sure you have the right song playing. Especially this is here. true. I would let them choose the song. I just always give guidelines like no profanity it has to be appropriate. Um, I would let them choose the song. And they have TikTok is a whole world. They have a million different songs. So I'm sure they'll have one to choose. I eventually, I know Well, these kids don't like, they don't, they don't use Twitter. I don't know how I'll use TikTok in my classroom, but I do want to, I, I did want them to create, well, Previously, when I taught Texas history, I wanted them, and we did it on paper, but I never had them do it like on their phones because I didn't feel comfortable <laughs> navigating all that in my classroom. But I would like for them to create like fake, like well, like Twitter accounts of like historical figures. And then we would do like a little project where we sent like 10 tweets as that figure based on history and do like, actual hashtags to see if they can get followers and stuff and just you know, pretend to be that historical figure on uh, Twitter or Instagram. I just think that that's something that's fun. Um, Got to find a way to do it with TikTok, which I don't know because that, they all use TikTok now. So that's just a whole, whole nother beast that I am just 
I'm slowly getting ready. Like it's still props to them for their creativity in TikToks. I'm I'm just I think they're getting too old. <laughs> I think I'm becoming my dad. And another thing I thought about, so because like not just because we got like the Twitter and everything, but I also thought about like blogs, right? So a lot of teachers at my school, without saying names, still feel comfortable with students using pen and paper. They're all about the pencil and paper and not incorporating technology in their classrooms. And I I am desperate to use technology as much as possible in my classroom only because I wholeheartedly believe that they need to master it at an earlier age in order to stay competitive against more of their affluent peers who have access to it in elementary school. And I try to say it over and over again, but I feel like it's falling on deaf ears because all I hear is excuses about how far behind our kids are. And it's like, well, we can actually work on closing that right now. And so I want to do, like, I want to teach them not, not, not just how to use the internet, but how to navigate it, how to, how to navigate it in a, a safe way and how to use the social media sites in a safe way and, and other websites like, you know, uh, blogs, YouTube, so on and so forth. And, you know, it's actually funny. We had this whole training on this digital citizenship and how to, for how the kids to use their computers and everything, but that go around these classes and the kids are still using pen and paper and teachers are making 10,000 copies for the very next day because they don't want to use their computers because it requires a little bit of extra work to make lessons on the computer and make them interactive. I'm not going to call them lazy. I would I would say it's an adjustment, though, just from my experience as a student. Like, I'm used to that paper and pencil type of environment. So stepping into the classroom, seeing that I that they put me in a, in a computer lab and I have like two smart boards and a whole bunch of cows. For those of you that don't know what cows means, um, computers on wheels. So I have like a whole bunch of technology in my um, in my room. And I was intimidated a little bit, although like you know, on the younger side, um, and I use technology, it, it's different. And so I can only imagine for a teacher who has been teaching for so many years that they started off with paper and pencil. And now all of a sudden it's like, you got to use laptops. You need to use computers. You need to use these different platforms. It's, it, it is an adjustment. And I don't, I haven't experienced any type of training at my campus so far with technology and like how to incorporate that. So I think it's a little bit on like both ends, you know, where us as adults, we have to keep up with the trends and be in the know of what students are experiencing. But then at the same time, it's like, how are we being trained to be able to use what we have on campus to meet the students halfway? That's fair. That's fair. There is a lack of training, I think, on how to incorporate it. They actually came in and took my laptop away from my classroom. I think last week, because I'm not a quote-unquote star-tested subject, so I'm not a star-tested subject. I'm treated I feel like I'm treated less than, mm. you know, I do teach a content class because I'm not star tested. I do feel like I get treated as like a second class teacher. And as a result, I don't have the same resources provided for me as a teacher as ELR, math, so on and so forth. That's still actually low key kind of like ticks me off. Not, I just mentioned it and I'm still, <laughs> I'm not over that because I fought to get those at the beginning of the year. I used them on the, like the first week, like the first day I was using computers in my classroom. Like it's what I like to do. 
but I still feel a certain type of way about it. But I like how you mentioned that. So training, training is something that they can do to help teachers navigate that. Uh, but with that said, though, I also don't see teachers trying hard enough. I'm just being honest. I don't see the effort. I don't see the effort, especially <laughs> when, for not all teachers. Some teachers, yes. Like so me and another teacher before the end of school year, we collaborated because she was creating like a Google site that she was going to use for her classroom and everything. And then uh, so she shared that with me and I like shared my digital data tracker with her because I don't want to do a data wall on my classroom because it's not 1970. So I have a, a Google sheet that keeps all my students data and does all the math for the calculations and averages and everything. So all I got to do is plug in numbers and it's absolutely amazing and it's cleaner. Uh, that's what I like to use. How are teachers at your school? Oh, I should well, you don't know your new teachers, but at your old school, how were teachers when it came to social media in, uh, inside the classroom? I will say, I think it's different because I started off my teaching career in remote learning. So when we came back in person, everybody was like, no technology, get it away from us. We're traumatized. We don't want to interact with this. So I will also say for myself, whenever I stray away from technology, especially on the math end, remote learning showed how much students don't know how to use the computer. Like I asked a student to hit the refresh button one day and she was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know where it is. And that's something I learned at a young age. So I think what's important for us is that kids need like computer fluency classes, but before coding, apparently second graders learn coding now, but that's a different story. But before they learn coding and all these different social media apps, they need to learn like computer fluency. And then we can like use tech and social media across all the classes, but definitely they all struggled, especially a lot of math platforms. Like we use Desmos. So now whenever we go to use Desmos. All the kids are like, oh, no, I don't want to use this. Some of them struggled a lot with the interface, like doing graphing and things like that. Some of them were really, really slow with the graphing. Some were really fast, just depending on how easy the platform was for them to use. So I think on the math end, I stray away from it because I know like, OK, if they don't know how to use the computer. This is going to be more of a struggle for them than it is a help. And we need time to sit down and like learn how to use the platform. So I definitely think it's helpful. But sometimes it can feel like a barrier. And so, and I think our trauma, when our trauma comes up, then we're just like, okay, we're done with this. We don't want to feel remote anymore. Yeah, actually, you just brought up a very good point. That that was a very traumatic experience. And then yes. when we got back, I don't know how many students, it like a, a window would pop up and would just say, click X to close the window. And they would raise their hand and be like, Mr. King, what do I do? And I walk over and I'm like, close the window. And I would just move the little mouse and do it. And that happened over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. I actually remember talking to uh, my counselor two years ago, I think, because I was curious. Actually, when we first got the laptops, when we got our laptops right before we left to go to our holes for COVID. There was, I saw how my kids were interacting with the laptops and how they were all terrible at typing and everything. And so I was talking to the counselor about maybe, uh, cause we had like a computer technology class, but I really don't know what they learned in there because I remember when I was in middle school, uh, we actually took typing. So I was wondering, can, if they could like, I don't know, 
like do typing in these classes because these computer labs have keyboards and computers do typing so they can learn how to type on their computer but it never happened and i'm still very disappointed in that but i guess it's not in the texas teaks for computer technology so it's like okay texas (laughs) however you want to fix yourself was it you uh that was saying like it's faster I don't know who I was watching. I think it was you when I was in your class. You were telling students it's faster we use both hands to type. Yes, yes, yes. That was me because they would be typing with one hand or like yeah. one finger. And I want, yeah, I, it was like you type faster with two hands. And then <laughs> he moves his little hand and started using like two. Yeah. Oh, I used to God. type with one finger <laughs> and my friends would make fun of me in our newspaper class. We had to type our articles and I had one, one finger at a time. Oh no. What? No. I don't know if I ever was a one finger typer. <laughs> I know I didn't learn. I'm terrible at home keys because my hands are so big. So I can never like keep my finger because in order to be on a home keys, my fingers have to be like curled like this. So that's very uncomfortable. So I definitely didn't stick with that. But I'm pretty decent. I use uh, two hands now. I've upgraded. <laughs> how many words a minute do you type? Do you know? No idea, but not a lot. <laughs> How about you? I, I actually took the test not, I mean, it was a while back, but like within the, this past year and I forgot what it was, but it was like around the average, you know, not like crazy fast, not crazy slow either. Well, what's the average? What, what is the average? I want to say it's like 80 words per minute. That might be a lot though. That sounds, that sounds like a lot. That, that sounds like a lot. All right. So. Imagine a world where your principal says you have to use social media in your classroom to engage your students, but you can only use one platform. What platform are you choosing? Assuming that your students will engage with that platform also. So we're going to assume that we have the perfect class that will be like, okay, whatever you decide, uh, Ms. Pierce, Ms. Morales, Mr. King, we're going to do it. What platform would you like to use in your classroom? I think I would choose TikTok because I had a friend the other day that pointed out that TikTok makes things like more readily available to different users. So for example, it's it's the norm now that when you watch a TikTok, you can listen to it, but you also have the words that pop up. So it's pretty much like closed captioning all the time um, that people have the the words that go with whatever's being said. Um, so I think I would use that because it teaches them like different modalities. And for math, like I said, you can do games with it with like math problems, or you can even have them make TikToks about like different math history figures. And they they also just like it. Like it's it, like you said earlier, they get really creative with it. And anytime we ever allowed them to make a TikTok, which we, we did sometimes during advisory, they got so excited and they they could make the TikToks way faster than they would make like a poster board or something that goes up on a wall or like a regular PowerPoint. They would do, they would, they would come up with dances. Like you guys are choreographing dances in the matter of minutes. So I would definitely do TikTok because they they're so excited about it. I don't know which one I would pick. That it's a tough one for me. I'm really I really like Instagram just because you're able to do different things on there. But I think students are more 
used to TikTok and like they enjoy making those videos. Um, so I think that's that's the one that I would go with as well. Um, one one thing that I did see over the summer that during my summer program, when we gave the students the opportunity to create like their uh, career research findings um, in whichever platform that they wanted to use. There was this one student that made, it was more so like a, like a YouTube video, but like how TikTok, TikToks are made. So you had the music in the background, you had the different like scenes here and there, pictures, just, just a big collage um, in a video format. And it was actually one of, probably one of the best videos I had seen on any type of social media platform. So just giving the students the opportunity to create content is super, super important. And I, they, they, they'll gather the information quicker because they are wanting to be able to produce a product. So I, I think for me, it's just any platform that they're able to produce some type of video. I would like to use, in a perfect world, I would use Twitter, but Twitter is such a toxic cesspool of hatred right now. I wouldn't trust my kids to uh, be on there because I feel like they'll just be constantly attacked over and over again. Um, I think Instagram is where I would go just so we can have those pictures. And I think about, you know, um, Alyssa mentioned about the poster boards, how they can make videos uh, quicker with uh, then they make posters and everything. And I think about like having like a classroom page for each period where instead of putting like the work up on the wall, we put it into Instagram. So then they can just go to Instagram to see uh, whatever anchor charts they need. Like, you know, the anchor charts and all that stuff could be right there on Instagram instead of them having to uh, go to the wall since they're more likely to look at their phone than they are a wall. So I think Instagram will be the one that I would try to use. And, you know, you know, good old quote unquote meta is always stealing from other platforms. So they got the short little reels now anyway that TikTok has. So, you know. My sister hates that I watch Reels versus TikTok. She's like, oh, you have to recycle TikToks. I'm like, what? Is that a thing? She's like, yeah, everyone calls it recycle TikToks. I mean, she's <laughs> okay. not wrong. She's not wrong. So look, after this, you should just cave, create a TikTok, and just see what happens. Um, I've been on it before. And I think the reason why I stopped, and it's probably been like, at this point, maybe a year, that I haven't gotten back onto is because I just spend so much time. Like you get on there just to watch a couple of videos. Next thing I know, it's like 45 minutes later. I'm like, I can't. Yeah, that's true. You can get, uh, you can get sucked into those little videos if you're not disciplined in the world of social media. Did you, have you guys ever gotten that um, it's time to take a break message on TikTok? <laughs> See, cause I came across those a couple of times. Like, okay, I think I have a problem. I need to get off of this thing. I'm done. <laughs> oh. no, my usually... mom calls it my mom calls it the rabbit hole she's always like if she sees me glued to my phone she's like come out of the rabbit hole <laughs> like it really sucked you in no it can't it's, it's got me a couple times I, I now just want if I do get on there not if when I do get on there it's not an if anymore it's just a matter of when I only do about you know like seven to ten little videos and then I, I put it down so I don't get like stuck and then I have to fight the algorithm because it kept on trying to feed me stuff that I didn't want to see. And so it just took a while for me just to skip that stuff real quickly for the to pick up that, okay, you don't want to see this stuff. And now, you know, it's got, it's gotten away. So I think it was trying to force 
a controversial figure onto me because I was a guy. And uh, I was like, no, I don't like that guy. Quit showing me that guy. Quit showing me that guy. Quit showing me my guy. And after about like three weeks, I finally stopped seeing him on my For You page. But I would like go in there and like block every single little page that had him on there. I would just go block it. Uh, not that it did any good because it was giving him traffic still. And so, but yeah, it was a hot mess. But yeah, it's now, now it's more tailored to just my sports and random trivia and Game of Thrones nonsense. So I like it. All right. So one sentence you would tell a teacher who would want to, or like one word of advice, one sentence, words of encouragement to a teacher who has a a class that uses uh, social media in a like high capacity function, whether they're dealing with the challenges that the social media produces, whether they're trying to incorporate it inside their classroom, whether they're just trying to uh, learn it themselves to help with their student, like engage with their students. What's one thing you would leave for um, a teacher who would be exploring any of those possibilities? I would say trial and error. Don't be afraid to to use it. It's not going to be perfect. Just be aware that there's other stuff that's going to come with social media. And it's just a matter of being open with the students and having that communication with them. Like, this is what we're using it for. This is the goal. Anything else is extra. Um, but also just not being afraid because of that extra negative stuff that the students may be able to reach. I would say... Definitely dive in head first and use it in your classroom as an opportunity for students to lead because they will definitely school you on how to use all the social media, but be firm and have boundaries so that they know how to use it properly and how to use it in ways that are productive, but also safe um, so that you can you can really get to see their creativity. I believe in trial by fire uh, or being baptized by fire. So I say go for it, try it, lean on your students to help you. But also there's teachers who are who are more like a little more tech savvy than you. Go ask them for help. Like don't be afraid to ask someone younger or who's more knowledgeable in the area than you are. Don't let pride get in your way from making you a more effective teacher to the current generation that we're teaching. Thank you. So uh, thank you both for joining on the social media train. Thank you for your words of encouragement. Uh, hopefully, Ms. Morales isn't too scared about what's coming up this year. Uh, and, you know, we hopefully we've done a good job to prepare her for what's to come. And yeah, and to everyone listening, thank you for so much for listening to this episode of Apples and Coffee. I pray you have a great day.